Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell, and that is Kurt Souter. And uh, yes, we were laughing because uh, we were having fun this morning. And uh, depending on when you hear this, morning, afternoon, or evening, we appreciate you listening. Uh, if you happen to find us accidentally, uh, our the name of our show is Solid Steps Radio. And we exist because a few years ago, Kurt and I got to talking and he said, hey, you want to do radio? I said, sure. And what are we going to talk about? And, and uh, we've been laughing ever since. Yeah. And we, it's funny. We had a guest on a couple of weeks ago who said um, that guys are really good at talking about politics, weather and sports. But outside of that, we start to become childlike, childish, maybe, and, and not even able to know how to have a conversation about things that are a little bit more important than politics, weather and sports. Uh, speaking of sports, I was up late last night watching a game. Did you watch the game last night? I did. It was a good game last night. Again, yeah. if, depending on when you hear this, you may hear this in the dead of winter, not know what we're talking about. But last night was the college basketball championship, and I uh, kept my boys up way too late to watch that, and it was fun. So uh, anyway, why do we exist? We are a show for men to talk about stuff that you're probably not talking about as a man, uh, about who God is, about who you are and his plan and, and his working in your life, and what is your destiny? We believe here on this show that you are not living your destiny out truly as you were destined to live outside of Jesus Christ and walking with God through Christ. And we want to talk about everything uh, that might relate to that, whether it's your work life, your family life, your friendships, whatever it might be, we all go back to that. We think you should walk solidly with God uh, through walking with Jesus Christ. So that's why we exist. But today we have on our show, uh, probably, I say probably, I don't say this to everyone, my favorite guest who does not have the same last name as me. Because my wife's been on the show, my dad's been on the show, my brother's been <laughs> on the show. Have been, so Bob Russell's been on the show. <laughs> well, uh, he's not listening anyway, so it doesn't matter, but I'm just saying. Uh, so we're having a guest on our show. We always laugh, have a great time, and, and it, as far as interesting and fascinating stories, uh, the story that God has written in this man's life is is incredibly uh, uh, intriguing to me, and I think it will be as you to you as well. So, Chad, uh, literally this morning, I'm reading some of uh, some of what he has written, and I'm cracking up laughing. And my wife looks over at me, and she goes, "What are you laughing about?" I go, "Matthew Sleet is hilarious." <laughs> And it is awesome to have you back, brother. Matthew Sleeve, well, uh, welcome to the show. It is great to be back. It really is. It's, uh, you know, it is always a delight. When Chad and I are, you know, when we, when we are planning out our, our calendar and our schedule, and uh, when, we, when we get in touch with you to get, come back on the show, we just we just get almost kind of giddy because it's just like we know we're going to laugh. We're no... Um, you know, I, I before the show, listeners, um, I was telling I was telling uh, Matthew, you you just look at life from a completely different angle than the rest of us, and that <laughs> is so unique. And I think it's and that's a compliment because you you see things that most of us don't see. So uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a compliment. That was a okay. that was a compliment. Okay. So, but anyway, welcome to the show. It is awesome to have you back. Great to be here. Great so, to be here. So, okay, so Matthew, uh, talk to our listeners. Just uh, remind us again, how do you go from a complete atheist, you don't believe in God, to kind of where you are today? 
What in the world happened? It's a question I ask all the time. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I want all of your listeners to know that there's all these people that are out there claiming that they can help you, but I literally can cut anybody's income to a tenth of what it is right now. <laughs> if they just follow my easy plan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was, um, I was a physician and married, uh, had a couple kids, uh, we were all heathen and, um, uh, things, uh, things kind of changed. My, my wife and I were on vacation in, in Florida. We'd, uh, put the kids to bed. I diamond tapped them. Um, we, <laughs> we, we put them to bed and we were out and the breeze was blowing off the golf and the, and the Milky Way was spread out overhead, and my wife asked me, what's the biggest problem in the world today? And um, that that's just an amazing question. In retrospect, I understand that was coming from the Lord. The Lord talks to us through Scripture and experiences and friends and our lives, and in this case, our, you know, my wife. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, ah, oh, the world's dying. There aren't elms on Elm Street, and there aren't chestnuts on Chestnut Street, and there aren't caribou in Caribou, Maine, and... If everything keeps on like this, uh, there's not going to be, you know, a planet here a hundred years from now. And uh, then she said, "What are you going to do about it?" And I didn't have an answer, so I poured her a nice big diamond tap and put her to sleep. And uh, <laughs> and uh, through a series of first bad things happening, and then picking up a Bible, and uh, you, you didn't just pick up a Bible. I stole it. You stole the Bible. <laughs> I still, I've been forgiven. Context, context. Yeah, the Gideons set these little traps. <laughs> they bait them with Bibles. And uh, and I picked one up, and I looked at it, and and here's the good news. Because if my parents had named me numbers, we wouldn't be here talking today. But they named me Matthew. And there's a pretty readable book in the Bible called Matthew, and that's where I started. Uh, can you imagine? Anyways. So and, hold, so back up just real quickly. So you're 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 doing your physician thing. Right. You're and the, you pick up a Bible. And I and I pick up a Bible and uh Now did you know that the book of Matthew was uh, even in the in or do you just kind of open up and you see, "Oh my goodness, there's my name." I probably knew um just because as a child I had gone to church uh but I had never read the Bible or anything. We didn't own one. Uh uh, so I, I knew that I was named after, you know, a person in the Bible. I didn't know what that person uh, did. or Which, by the way, whenever I meet a young person and they've got a name out of the Bible, I always I always ask, you know, your name's out of the Bible. If they don't know, I like to tell them the, the story of, of that. And Matthew was uh, also called Levi, um, which means he's a Levite. Uh, and he was uh, in in bad uh, standing <laughs> with the Levites, <laughs> so he was out collecting, working for the man, and collecting taxes <laughs> for the Romans. And uh, Christ called him, and uh, and uh, we all have a story like that uh, when we become believers that Christ calls us. They're all unique, and yet they're all the same because that the end point is Christ, and we realize something bigger than ourselves. Um, it gets tiresome after a while. To have yourself as God, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and so, anyways, um, I got lucky, met met the Lord in the Bible, 
and uh, then one after another, my family members all became believers, and they're still pretty sold out to this day. Uh, yeah, they're <clears throat> serving the Lord full time. They are. My uh, my oldest, my son uh, Clark, is uh, married uh, to Val and uh, got a two-year-old, Hannah, and they are at Tenwick Hospital in Kenya. He's the pediatrician there, and uh, he does amazing things, keeping... Uh, 26-week-old babies alive in plywood incubators using uh, servos from chicken <laughs> raising, you know. But I got a picture of, of uh, one of his, his successes going home, you know. And and uh, then my daughter is uh, Emma, and she's married to, to uh, Zach. Uh, he's a pastor, and they are in Kenya also. Uh, they're there for six months, and uh, they're in an orphanage. And uh, so... My my kids are out serving the Lord, and Nancy, my wife, works with me in our ministry. So, when's the next trip to Nairobi? Uh, you know, I don't I don't know the answer to that. Unfortunately, my wife can never fly again. Uh, she was told by a doctor she can't fly. She's uh, deaf in one ear and has been for decades, and uh, started having trouble in the other ear. And they tried a tube and some other things, and he said you have to stay on the ground. Uh, hmm. So um, that's that's pretty hard for a mom and a grandma. Um, uh, following Christ is not without cost, and uh, you know, f- for those uh, few grandmas who are listening in, you know, you know the cost my my wife is uh, paying not not being near grandkids and her own children. Hmm. Um, but we're counting on a whole big chunk of time together. <laughs> In heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, tell us, uh, j- just real quick, I, 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 I love the story. You've, you've shared it before, but just to remind. So you're a carpenter. Before, before you become, you, you go back to school and you, go, you become a medical doctor, um, and then you go into ER medicine. Uh, b- before that, you're a carpenter. You're, you're uh, putting, to, uh, uh, putting a big window in this, this family. And you connect with this 18, 18-year-old girl? Yes, 18-year-old Jewish girl. Family's Jewish and everything, and, and I'm not. And they're just worst nightmare uh, unfolded in front of their eyes. <laughs> because that, that uh, beautiful 18-year-old girl is my wife, and uh, we got married. And uh, <coughs> so, so the Jewish girl marries a Gentile, and, and, then, and then what? Uh, then, I, then I realized I need to go to med school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is a miracle in the Bible that everybody reads right over, and they don't think, you know, that it's that big a miracle. And uh, it's actually Jesus' uh, uh, second miracle after uh, he goes uh, to the synagogue and throws out the demon. Uh, and then he goes to uh, Peter's house, and Peter's mother-in-law has a high fever. Luke records it's a high fever. And uh, he touches her and heals her, and she gets up and starts serving him. And the miracle there isn't curing the high fever. It's that that a mother-in-law would feed somebody who took away her son-in-law's commercial fishing business. (laughs) (laughs) That's the miracle. Okay, that's that's the miracle. So we're going to take a break and come back with three more segments with uh, Matthew Sleeth. And he's here to talk today about... Uh, a new book he's got coming out called Reforesting Faith, What Trees Teach Us About the Nature of God and His Love for Us. And I cannot wait to unpack this more in the next few segments with 
Matthew Sleeth on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our second segment of Solid Steps Radio. Thank you for listening. Uh, we are here with Matthew Sleeth, and he's talking about his new book, Reforesting Faith. And if you need to reforest your finances, you need to go to LNA Credit Union. I'm just, I'm reaching. There you right. go. Uh, if you need to plant some new financial roots. There you go. That's not bad. Not bad. LNA Credit Union, they've been a local lender in our community for years. They help people uh, fi- figure out what they need to do with their money, whether it's personal, business, checking, savings, business, uh, loans, you name it. Ellen and Credit Union, also Vision First Eye Care. Uh, they are a wonderful organization. Dr. Rod Rollo and his crew help. They have places all over the city. Where you throw a rock, you can hit a Vision First, and they can help you with your eye care and vision needs for you and your entire family. Dr. Matthew Sleeth, you got a book called Reforesting Faith. It's all about trees in the Bible. How in the world do you... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said, I told Chad, you, you have this unique perspective. I've read, I can't remember how many, I, all the books that I've read, theology books and Christian books, I have never read a book about trees in the Bible. How in the world did you get to that? I actually think God brought me uh, to that. Uh, there was an incident uh, right after we became Christians uh, where I volunteered to plant trees around the church and the school that the church owned where we were uh, going. And the uh, pastor uh, looked at me and said, you know, you have the theology of a tree hugger. And this was not a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe I have the wrong theology. And I went and read through the Bible. And ever since that time, I've been uh, fascinated with uh, trees in Scripture uh, trees are the most mentioned living thing in Scripture other than God and people. Uh, so there's lots of them. Uh, the, every major character in Scripture has a tree associated with them. And every major theologic event in Scripture has a tree mark in a spot. There's a tree on the first page of the Bible, uh, the first psalm where we're told to be like a tree, the first page of the New Testament, and the last page of the Bible— the Bible refers to itself as a tree of life. There's a pattern going on here. <laughs> you know, if you if you were to open up a Bible and just underline every sentence that has a tree in it, uh, by the time you get to the end of the third chapter, you would have underlined one-third of all the sentences. So what I found was not that I was weird thinking there, were, you know, these trees were important, but I began to wonder how is it that we begin to think they're not important? And one of the things that God uh, did to let me know I was on the right track was uh, we had a neighbor knock on the door. She said, I just cleaned out my dead aunt's attic. You believe in God here. And she handed me a big cardboard box full of old dusty books and everything. In the bottom of that box uh, was a pearl. (laughs) And, And that was a Thomas Nelson King James Study Bible that was 140 years old. Mm. And when I looked in that, at the tree section, the study section, it was 20 pages long. Really? Yeah. Um, There were multiple plates of uh, trees. And then I began to look around at what people were preaching about uh, at the time that Bible was published. And Spurgeon was probably... Uh, one of the best-known preachers of that day and age, uh, still today known as the Prince of Preachers. 
And I began to, and, and fortunately, all of his sermons are still online. They're available and everything. And I began to look at the sermons just with trees in the title that sermon uh, that Spurgeon had uh, preached, like uh, Christ, the tree of life, the tree in God's court, uh, the wind in the mulberry tree, uh, the, the, the olive trees. And so he preached on trees in the Bible again and again and again and again. And um, <clears throat> apparently that's not unusual for pastors 150 uh, years ago. Um, and if you, you think about it, mo- most people have never had a sermon on trees in the Bible. But our great Christian writers, our fiction writers in particular, uh, know about this. If you read Tolkien or Lewis, they do not just arrive at their characters and their plots out of nowhere. Um, they are biblically based writers. And so the good guys are always protecting trees. They live under trees. And the bad guys are always clear cutters of trees. Those two writers, Tolkien and Lewis, got their inspiration from George D. MacDonald. He's the master behind those two masters. And MacDonald wrote about this. And um, at the back of the North Wind is uh, a, a beautiful story every family should read. It's a, maybe called young adult fiction, but I love it. And the picture of heaven has a tree there. And so our sermons used to have trees in it. Our Bibles used to have, the study Bibles used to have uh, trees in them. Our fiction has had this theology in it. Our <clears throat> our hymns, if you will, if you go back and look at the hymns, it is only modern uh, Christians who have decided that they can subtract the trees from God's Word. Why do you think that is? I think uh, there's a number of, of reasons, but I, th- I think the end result is, I'll just give you the bottom line, is that we've moved into a period of heresy, which the church has dealt with before, <clears throat> called dualism. And dualism says that, uh, that matter created things. The things that God created are bad, and that only the spiritual is good. Uh, and, you know, in, in reality, most of the churches I go to, they don't even let a ray of God's light into the church anymore. There's no flowers up front, nothing that God made in there. And so we get into these boxes and we start worshiping a God who made the universe, but we boxed it out. Mm. Um the, the other bottom line from that is that people no longer appreciate that God meets us and speaks to us through his creation. The number of people who've been called by God standing next to a tree, um, uh, starting at uh, you know probably Moses and coming on through, and Abraham sitting there at the Oak of Mamre and God wanders up, and Gideon, uh, you know, Sitting there, and there's an angel on the on the sitting on this giant tree uh, root, uh, and it just goes on and on, and that that comes through time. And you've got Joan of Arc and Martin Luther, and one of my friends, a pastor in Florida, Joel Hunter, just retired. Will tell you the story of how when he was an orphan kid, he's he's 11 years old, sitting in the backyard. He says, "God, if you're here, I need to know it." I need to know it now. You know, the simple prayer of an 11-year-old. And he said, uh, absolutely dead still day, and the wind came up in the tree by him and nowhere else. 
was there for five minutes. He's been following the Lord ever since. <laughs> um, and, oh, wow. uh, and, and so what we've done is to say to people, the only place that you can meet God is inside this box with me or whatever. When God is trying to break through all of his creation um, uh, to tell us about his glory and majesty. So, so uh, yeah, when I think about um, in Genesis chapter 2, it says, And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. Everything important is pinned to a tree, if you will, here. Uh, please, the trees are pleasant in the sight. That's a one-off line in Scripture. Man, you ought to just highlight that, put stickers by it and stars and everything. <laughs> that will remain God's aesthetic throughout the entire Bible. When Jesus is going to give a lecture on aesthetics, and uh, he says, consider the Queen of Sheba coming uh, here to Jerusalem in its heyday, and uh, those thousands of chariots lining the streets, those hundreds of gold shields weighing 15 pounds and 3 pounds coming out, uh, Solomon getting ready for a, you know an affair of state, the thousand women uh, uh, in the in the palace, you know, blow drying their hair. Can you imagine the lights dimmed down in Jerusalem and everything? And then they're getting Solomon dressed and they're putting those gems in his turban and everything and his crown. And Jesus says, "Imagine that." Now imagine this, and he throws out a flower. He says, "We beat you. Anything my God, anything my Father makes." is superior to the highest point of civilization. And so that aesthetic holds, and, and then we get to Revelation 22, last chapter in the Bible, God's throne is facing a tree. I mean, our most comfortable chair in our house is usually facing the television. That's not what God finds beautiful. Wow. That's, I mean, that is such a, a unique uh, perspective. Uh, you know, um, when you think about all the trees in the Bible, What's your favorite tree? Tree in the Bible? Um, you know, I think it's, that's, that's tough. Wow, that's a great question <laughs> when you, you stump the chump here. Um, I, think, I think maybe my favorite uh, tree is Revelation 22, where we're shown the tree of life. Uh, we're really given a good picture of it. We, we don't have as clear a picture of the tree of life back in the Garden of Eden. Uh, but here in heaven, uh, we're shown it, and we're 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 told that it's in in uh, bearing fruit in uh, every month, and that the leaves of that tree heal all the nations. So that tree is really a symbol for Christ. You know, Christ is when he, His body was broken for us, and we eat it. Then we have this chance at immortality, uh, of being with with God in heaven forever. And, and there it is in Revelation 22. So I think that's going to be my favorite. Okay. We're, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I got a bunch more questions for you, but we're going to need to take a break. So we're going to take a break, come back with two more segments with Dr. Matthew Sleeth on his book, Reforesting Faith, here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you missed the first two, you missed a lot, so please go back at... Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, the podcast section, and just type in Solid Steps 
Radio, and you can hear all of our shows in their entirety. Thanks to great sponsors like Frank Enterprises. Uh, if you have septic issues, uh, then you've got issues. <laughs> you need to call Frank Enterprises. Those guys can help you with any of your septic system problems or water drainage issues. And I also want to thank Bright Star Home Care. Uh, Chris and his crew do a wonderful job of walking people through a very difficult time of life when you have to care for a loved one, whether it's once a week or 24-7, Bright Star Home Care help walk through that with you. And we want to thank them for sponsoring our show. So, Matthew, talk to our listeners about uh, the connection of, of, you mentioned earlier, events, and there's always a tree connected. Yeah, there there always is. Um, whether it's uh, uh, the fall, the, there's a tree there. Um, and, uh, and then we are ejected, ev- evicted from the Garden of Eden, lest we take hold of the tree of life and live forever. Um, And so the rest of the Bible is really a story of getting us back to the tree of life. And, uh, and and so if you, if you take uh, Noah, he's, there's going to be this important tree, the gopher tree, which we don't know what it is. It's just a transliteration of, of the Hebrew word. Um, And that rescues all of humanity. And, um, uh, when when Moses is, is is out in the desert, he sees this burning bush, um, and if you really think about that, uh, you know uh, this green green bush with flame on it. It's an impossibility. True. <laughs> yeah. Um, and again and again, the Bible is using symbols for things to try to describe Christ to get him somewhere in the range of what we can understand, so that something is alive and yet on fire. Um, that's Christ, uh, and um, and that's the first uh, I am, I am that I am. You know, you turn to. By the way, this is something I always do when I read in Scripture. Uh, whenever there's a first to something, flip to the the last in the Bible to see where it is, how that ends up. The last I am is on the last page, and he says, "I am the root of Jesse, and I am the bright morning star. I'm this tree on fire again." Um, mm. and, uh, as, as you go through, uh, Moses will of course be given the rod of God and that's, that's what he parts the, uh, the Red Sea with. Mm. And yeah. when the waters aren't drinkable, they throw a tree in that tree is Christ, the symbol of Christ. He makes the bitterness of this life sweet. Um, he's the sweet word. And, uh, the, by the way, water is always a symbol for the word of God in Scripture. And, uh, and so when the first psalm tells us to be like a tree with our roots down into the water, that water is the word of the Lord. Um, and it, as you, you come through, even Joshua, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll say, you know, that as for me in my house, and he sets up a reminder and he puts it under a tree uh, for people there. David trees all over the place in David's life. Um, but even when he goes out against the giant of, of, of Gath, we've a uh, uh, Goliath, we've, we've rewritten the story. And the thing that throws the giant off his game isn't the slingshot and the five stones. It's the tree, the piece of tree in David's hand. He's, Goliath says, what are you going to come at me with a stick like a dog? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, David is called to battle uh, with the wind in the top of uh, trees. Deborah holds, I'm 
jumping back and forth here, but Deborah holds court under palm trees. Abraham, interestingly, is the first person to plant a tree in Scripture. Now, in in uh, a King James Bible, he plants a grove of trees, and that's correct. It's plural there. Uh, in modern Bibles, they've cut it down to he only plants one tree. Is that right? I've never noticed that. Follows a, follows a pattern in modern Bible translation to cut trees out of Scripture. Uh, before we went on break, I or when we were on break, I pointed out to you that Mark eleven eight <coughs> is the uh, story of Palm Sunday. And uh, in modern Bibles, people go and cut tree branches off the field. Well, you don't cut tree branches off the field. You cut them off a tree. The word in Greek is dendron. That's the word that's there. Um, but the modern translators have subtracted uh, trees from the Bible. And uh, I'll give you an example of how prevalent and widespread that is. Yeah, explain that. If you, if you take the words tree, seed, leaf, branch, root, and fruit, those six words, and you count them up the number of times they occur in a King James Bible, it's 967 times. If you count them, and the Bible I'm holding here is an ESV, <laughs> um, if you count them up in the ESV, they've subtracted those words 230 times. In the NIV, 267 times goes on from there. Bible translators for about the last century have decided to take trees out of the Bible. They're there. The words are very, very clear. Uh, it's etsy or in the Hebrew or, or dendron in, uh, in the Greek, and uh, they've decided to cut them out of the Bible. Why do you think that is? Um, arrogance, ignorance, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the devil, I, I think. Um, you know, not to be too hard, but to be hard. You know, when you go monkeying with the word of the Lord, you've really taken a quite a responsibility on your shoulders. God put all these trees in Scripture uh, for a reason. God never chooses a bad metaphor, by the way. Mm-hmm. So if he's going to pick the tree as his major metaphor of Scripture— and going to talk about a tree of life. That tree of life is going to have to do something on every level. So until the Revolutionary War, we didn't know that trees were literally keeping us alive through oxygen. It's impossible to intuit that a big green tree is what you're breathing. Um, but God knew that. Hmm. He, you know, it, and it's it's kind of underlined, if you will, in Scripture because God only makes two things with his own hands. He forms Adam from the dust, blows the breath of life in him, and then pivots and plants the trees. Uh, God knew that he'd need to take his next breath, <laughs> and he's going to get it from the trees. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> uh, and and so I think Bible translators have been arrogant and ignorant um, about this. One of my hopes from this book is that people will demand that they are put back into their Bible translations. That can be corrected tomorrow afternoon, by the way. There's no reason that these words can't be put back in. Just, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's really interesting, you know, how you, you mentioned in the break the, just how God is trying to get our attention and to teach us through trees. I, I'm, 
I'm just I'm just fascinated by that. I've never in my theological training and on all my pastoring, I've never really had that framework. Yeah, and it's 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 been subtracted. It, it isn't as if Spurgeon didn't know about it and Lewis and Tolkien and when they were writing and they drew their theology from that, but it's really been kind of just erased out of scripture and theology. And it's interesting because a tree is the longest lived thing on the planet. And God knew that. And God is forever trying to get us to think beyond three score and 10, this, uh, this short, short life that we have. And we have trees on this planet that are five, 6,000 years old. And God says, that's nothing. <laughs> and you know, eternity is what I'm offering you. Yeah. And so the one created thing he made that shows us not only not only are they five and six thousand years old, but we can tell it. Because God likes trees so much he gives every one of them a ring on every one of their birthdays. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so we know that a tree's five thousand years old because we can bore it and and count it, and God's trying to teach us uh, about that. It's not by accident that he tells us in the first Psalm to be like a tree and that the highest thing that we can be called is an oak of righteousness. Now, you and I have a mutual friend, Bob Russell, and I'm a big fan of Bob's and and sometimes I get to teach with him and I always feel very lucky uh, for those occasions. And I said to Bob probably two years ago, I said, Bob, there isn't a major character in scripture that doesn't have a tree associated with him. And Bob puts that computer in his brain, you know, to work. And you can just see the roll. Well, maybe it's not a computer. Maybe it's a roll you know, <laughs> and because uh, <clears throat> Bob's my age, you know. And uh, and so uh, the Rolodex is going and everything. And he says, what about Joseph? And for a second, I, I thought he, he had me. And then I said, <laughs> it's impossible because there's patterns that God uses these trees for. And then God wouldn't make, break the pattern there. And then I looked and I said, Oh, the Bible says Joseph is a tree. Joseph's a fruitful bough, sending his his limb over the wall and everything. Joseph is given the highest compliment. He is and, a tree. And you stumped and then you stumped Bob. Uh no. You <laughs> 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 can't you can't do that. Um <clears throat> but uh it's just to show you that once you begin to get these patterns really there's a, a more of a nuanced layer uh, to the Bible. God, for instance, when he does his most personal business with the prophets and everything, it's always a little tiny tree. It's it's like when my child was young, I would get down on a knee and talk to him. And so whether it's Elijah or Jonah throwing a hissy fit, you know, God leans right down by the broom tree or the board or whatever it talks to us. That's uh, that is fascinating. We're gonna we're gonna continue to to unpack this, but we need to take a break here. One more segment, unfortunately, but we're gonna talk continue. If you want to hear the in between, we've got some video of our conversation in between segments. We've got a bonus material. Go to our Facebook page and type in Solid Steps Radio. You can see that video posted. So we're gonna take a break. Be back shortly for our fourth and final segment of Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you are just joining us, please, I beg of you, go back and listen to the first three segments uh, at SoundCloud, iTunes, 
um, and our Facebook page and type in Solid Steps Radio and you can hear all of our podcasts. Thanks to great sponsors like Dan Hart Financial. If you need a financial plan for the next two years, 20 years, or for even when you're long, dead, and gone, and uh, you want to be able to leave a, a legacy for your family, Dan Hart Financial can help uh, figure out their paths to go. And we have a new sponsor here, Outlook, the, the, the Outlook, uh, Southeast Christian Outlook newspaper, which is uh, a great uh, organ, a great uh, publication to help show what's going on in, in the community and what God is doing. So we want to thank the Outlook for being on board and being a sponsor of our show as well. So Matthew, I, you wrote this, and I just, as I was reading this, I'm like, this is like rich. Uh, you, you said, whenever the fame and the fury became too oppressive, Jesus found peace speaking to his father among trees. If Jesus, our teacher, models, and our savior, if, if that's it's his example, we, we need to follow that. When we are tired, when we're discouraged, when we're frustrated, when we're downcast, we need to do what Jesus did. Go to the woods, go to the forest, sit under the trees and pray. And there beneath the canopy of shade, in the branches, right under the trees, we like Jesus can be still and know that he is God. That's good. Thank you. That's good stuff, brother. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you know, listeners, I, um, w- one of the things that we want you to do is, uh, as we're talking about trees, is this book, Reforesting Faith. And uh, Matthew, you mentioned in the break, you don't get a dime for this. I do not. We uh, decided to uh, to give it not even to our nonprofit ministry, but to give it to another one. Um, there's a group uh, called Plant with Purpose in San Diego. Uh, that's a ministry that has about 150 full-time missionaries around the planet who not only plant the gospel, uh, give people the good news, but they also work with planting uh, trees uh, to help make people's lives better. Yeah, you mentioned uh, they plant churches and plant the gospel, but they're also planting trees. You made a comment about how important trees are, even in economic development, and uh, uh, comment on that. Yes, if you if you look at um, places that have just been really deforested around the world, uh, they don't recover from that until they get trees back. The poorest country in the Western Hemisphere is Haiti, and it's the most deforested uh, place in the Western Hemisphere. The second poorest place in the Western Hemisphere is Honduras, and it's the second most deforested place uh, in the Western Hemisphere. God gave us trees for so many reasons, but we need them just for our general economic health. So uh, talk to our listeners. You would love for our listeners to not only just go buy a book, you don't get a, you don't profit from this at all. This other ministry who's planting the gospel all, all over the world, they get, they're going to benefit from this. Correct. But buy a book and, and then what else? I'd like them to just bring themselves up to speed on this a little bit. <laughs> I'd like them to think about, do I have a, a neighbor? Do I have a relative? Do I have somebody at work? who loves the creation, who's on board with these trees, but does not know the creator. Mm. And I'd like them to start praying for that person and to hand them a copy of the book and have a discussion. May not go anywhere, but you do your work up front. You do your praying. Then it's up to the Holy Spirit. But 
I'm surprised by the number of people who uh, call themselves Christians and have not given a Bible away or a book like this away to somebody in, in the last year. Um, when you really come to believe in God and you really come to believe in heaven and you really come to believe in hell, first of all, I like to keep somebody out of hell. Yes. There's no trees there. There's no water. <laughs> and I like them to go to the place with trees. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the trees of life, the tree of life. Yeah, I want them to go to heaven. I and I and if you aren't telling somebody about this, what kind of human being are you? Um, you you believe that you could get somebody into God's presence simply by sharing a book like this or a Bible, another tree of life. Proverbs three eighteen says Bible's a tree of life. Yes. Um, so I'd like them to do that. Um, and, and invite them to church. Ask your pastor to preach on this, and and don't expect a whole lot to begin with, because most people have never heard about this in seminary or or, or other training. Um, but it's my prayer that uh, people start talking about this and we'll start seeing some sermons. One of the greatest feelings I've ever had in life was, you know, I do a lot of talk about Sabbath. Hearing somebody give a sermon on Sabbath better than I ever could have done, you know, <laughs> who got it first, you know, from my book or something. <laughs> and so it's it's really my prayer that pastors start preaching on this and we start in our communities um, reaching out using the tree. Well, you, you mentioned in break in the break, you have a friend who is not just an expert; he's a double PhD, and uh, in trees, in trees, and hostile to Christianity. He hadn't been in church for fifty-five years or something like that, fifty years. And uh, I began praying for him, um, and I am so excited that uh, just about uh, two weeks ago, I went to hear him give a talk on trees in the Bible, he's a new Christian. <laughs> and uh, and just the number of people that God has called from trees to belief. Uh, we think of our Lord walking uh, up to Zacchaeus and saying, you know, the, here is the biggest sinner in, in the country of Israel, practically. He, he, he climbs up that tree of sinner and he shinnies down and becomes a saint. Uh, next to the Lord, uh, Nathaniel, same same thing. And of course, Jesus died on a tree for us. That That is the main thing. And Jesus is a carpenter. Uh, and he builds this new kind of door. The closest thing to it we see in Scripture is the door in at Passover. When the lamb's blood is spread on that door post and pillar and, and hinge side, um, uh, that seals the door, and the angel of death can't get in. Jesus built this new kind of door. There's an upright piece, and then there's a horizontal piece, and it's called a cross. And when his blood, that lamb's blood is on it, that door opens, and that is our only door into heaven, is through that that tree. That's why Jesus said, I have to be raised up on a cross. By the way, if people get the book, they'll find out why Jesus can only be killed by a tree. That's the only way that you can kill Jesus. People try to stab him, stone him, throw him off a cliff. Doesn't work. It's got to be on a tree. It's got to be on a tree. And there's a reason why. And it's fundamental to our good news. Um, when the Bible says, watch your life and doctrine closely, this is good theology, brother. This is rich. Uh, brother, every time I'm with you, I'm encouraged, I'm, I'm blessed, I'm enriched. 
Uh, it's a joy, brother. Well, thank you for your encouragement. No. I appreciate it. And and I and I and I really hope that your listeners who who get reforced in faith are encouraged uh, in their faith. Um, we're told we're supposed to be like a tree at growing in our faith all the time. That's what Psalm one says. Um, and I I think you know when your son, daughter, somebody becomes a believer, plant a tree. You never see a tree grow. But if it's got its roots in the right place and if it's aiming towards the sun, it's just like our faith. You're going to come back and there's going to be something magnificent producing fruit there someday. That's good stuff. Thank you. Thanks for coming in, Matthew. Thanks for sharing your heart. Thanks for writing this book. And I want to, um, you know, again, listeners, would you not just buy a copy for yourself, but would you buy a handful of copies that you can give out to folks and use this as a tool to proclaim the, the grace and the gospel of Christ. That's why we're, he didn't just save us to uh, enter into church you know, once a week. He has called us to be ministers of righteousness, uh, um, ministers of the gospel. And uh, this is a great resource, a great tool that I think God wants uh, to use. And uh, thank you, brother. Thanks for writing this. Thanks for having me on the show again. Would you pray for us, guys, and that we would be we would be oaks of righteousness, what the Bible talks about? Absolutely. Would you, would you pray for us? Heavenly Father, uh, what a privilege it is to be able to talk about you and to share you. Uh, and for those uh, men listening into this show, I pray your blessings on those men. Um, but I pray also that you mm. discomfort them. Uh, and that they get a little bit more worried about sharing the gospel with their neighbors and, uh, uh, and their family. Um, make them oaks of righteousness whose roots are in you, Lord. And uh, the evidence of that is the fruit that they bear. Um, and I uh, ask that you, you help with that and help with this book. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank Thanks. you. So Matthew Sleeth, and that's S-L-E-E-T-H, MatthewSleethMD.com. You can get more resources from Matthew, where he's going to be, and all kinds of great articles. And uh, 24-6 is a great book I've read, and I can't wait to read Reforesting Faith. i got a copy right here in front of me. If you think this is all, if you're just catching this, here's what I challenge you to do. Drive out somewhere and walk somewhere and spend about 30 minutes, just set the timer on your phone for 30 minutes, and you go out in the middle of trees. I'm talking not near a tree, in the middle of trees in a park, and just sit there for 30 minutes and don't say anything. And just breathe and listen. And you tell me coming out of there 30 minutes later if you're not different than when you were coming in. Because God has a plan, and he's a lot better at it than you and I. So thank you, Matthew, for coming on. And pass this on to someone else who may want to listen to it. And also, Reforcing Faith by Matthew Sleep. What trees teach us about the nature of God and his love for us. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.